22 and verse 7. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. You may be seated. Keep your Bibles turned to Revelation 22 as we finish our series from the book of Revelation this evening. The fictional, and let me emphasize the word fictional. The fictional story is told about a man who asked the Lord a question. The man asked, what is a million years like to you? Since you are eternity, what is a million years to you? The Lord said, well, it's just a minute. It's just a minute in my sight. Man said, wow. Well, let me ask you another question. Well, how about a million dollars? What's a million dollars to you? It can't mean more than just a penny because you own everything. And the Lord said, that's right. A, a million dollars is, is but a penny in my sight. The man thought for a little while, he said, well, how about giving me one of those pennies? And the Lord said, okay, I'll just take a minute. Tonight, we're talking about the Lord's return. Three times in Revelation 22, Jesus says, I am coming quickly. That's 2,000 years ago, and the Lord hasn't come yet. You see, our perspective is different from the Lord's perspective. In verse 7, in verse 12, in verse 20, he said, I am coming quickly, but his definition of coming quickly seems to be a whole lot different from Yours and mine. There is no question. Jesus is coming soon. We just don't know when soon will be. Second Peter chapter 3. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. In a thousand years, as one day, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that's the key right there. Why hasn't Jesus come back by now? It's to give people... Just one more opportunity. Just one more opportunity to repent. To have an opportunity to make things right. From our perspective, Jesus has delayed His coming. He's delayed it for 2,000 years. But it's to give everyone a chance to repent. And my friends, that's grace. It's grace that God is giving our friends 
our family members. Another day, another week, another month, another year to make the biggest decision that anyone could ever make. But folks, we have a job to do. They won't make that decision unless we tell them about Jesus. See, Jesus delaying his return doesn't work for your friends and family who are not Christians if you don't, number one, live the Christian life in front of them 24-7. And number two, if you don't tell them, if you don't encourage them, if you don't help them to try to see Jesus living in your life always. When Jesus does come, and He will come one day, we just don't know when, He will come suddenly. He will come in a flash with no forewarning whatsoever. You know, um, I don't know if you do this at your house, but we have that Alexa little gizmo, and we have it to remind us. I mean, every day, you know, Reminder, you know, do this, you know, have you turned this off? Have you, uh, have you, have you uh, called this person? Uh, it's our reminder app, okay? And it gives us a warning that we need to do something. Well, Jesus is not going to give us warning. He's not going to say, well, <clears throat> I tell you what, I'm going to come back. You got one more week. You got one more week to make things right. He's not going to do that. When he comes, he will just come. We'll have no warning whatsoever. For when Jesus said, I am coming quickly, he not only meant shortly, but suddenly as well. The Bible says it will happen, what, Second, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, it will happen in a flash. In the twinkling of an eye. And there, he's back. Ladies, as moms, have you ever given your kids maybe some last-minute instructions and you left the house and you came back later? Maybe you told them, okay, while I'm gone, I'm going to go to the grocery store. And while I'm gone, I want that room clean. I want that room clean. I want you to put up all your clean clothes in the closet and uh, have all that done when I get back. Now, what usually happens... The kids don't do it until they hear the car drive up and the garage door come up. Then they start frantically, you know, got to get the, the room clean. We got to get the clothes put up. Does that fool you as a mom? No. You know what they've been doing all that time. Well, guess what? The Lord will not be fooled. He knows the hearts of each and every person. You can't fool moms and you can't fool the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. That is, he is coming shortly and suddenly. Therefore, we better do what he told us to do. We better keep his word. Verse 7. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed. Who's blessed? Blessed is he who keeps, I want you to circle that word keep. 
I'm going to come back to that word. Who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard thee and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, see that you do not do that. For I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Keep his word. That word keep was actually most commonly used to describe people that were often described as protectors. Protectors who kept watch over their charges in order to preserve them from harm. When John records in John 17, the words of Jesus, he is praying that God will keep the the apostles, keep them from harm. It's dedication. The word keep is referring to someone who is dedicated to keep people from harm. We are given the charge to keep. That's exactly what Jesus wants us to do with his word. He wants us to keep watch over it, to preserve it, and to practice it until he comes back. He's given us a pretty big responsibility. He wants us to be in charge of His Word. You know, Jesus could have given that job maybe to angels. He could have given the job of evangelism to angels. Okay, once a year, I want you to go back down to earth. You'll have a whole month and I want you to share the news about me. But he didn't do that. He didn't give the job to angels or to anyone else. He gave it to you and me to share his word, to keep his word, to practice his word. But he doesn't want us to keep it just to ourselves. He wants us to want to let others know about him. Jesus wants us to proclaim his word. Verse 10 and verse 11. And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. You see, when Jesus comes back, there's no last second changes. When Jesus comes back, those who are not prepared will remain not prepared. We've got to get ready for the Lord's return. In other words, when Jesus comes, it will be too late for any changes. Our fates will be sealed. Forever. So now, now is the time to trust and obey Jesus with your life. Now, now is the time to turn your life over to Him. Now is the time to let Him begin the process of changing you from the inside out. Because after Jesus comes back, 
it will be too late. It will be too late. I had a series of studies with a man that I will say to you, I was very convinced that he would become a Christian. Because he kept on saying, Michael, I'm going to become a Christian. I've just got so many things to do. He, he had uh, uh, actually three businesses that he was running. He was a very busy man. And he kept on saying, now when things can slow down a little bit, hey, when I become a Christian, I'm going to be dedicated. When I become a Christian, I'm going to be dedicated. And, hey, hey, I'm going to do it. I preached his funeral. He had a heart attack and died. He was unprepared. That was a sad funeral. Because what could I say about his eternal destination? It was sad. It will be too late. Now is the time. Uh, there was a book that came out, just um, actually came out two years after 9-11. How to Get Out Alive. What the science of evacuation reveals about how humans behave in the worst of times. Here's what that book determined. Between 200 and 400 people who died in the Twin Towers should not have died. So why did they die? Because there were people in the Twin Towers saying, we need to stay here, don't move, the authorities, the firemen, the rescue squads will be here, let's wait for them. Several people on the 73rd floor survived the attack. How did those people way up there on the 73rd floor survive? Because somebody in their group said, hey, we need to get out of this building. It's going to be unsafe. Let's go now. And they started that long descent, 73 floors down to the ground. But they survived. Because someone said, hey, we got to leave now. We got to do this now. Jesus is coming back. Now is not the time to say nothing. In our world today, our world today has become extremely unchristian-like. In fact, I would say almost to the point that it's anti-Christian. Things are different from the way it was, say, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Values have changed. Moral standards have certainly changed. And it's to the point now that sometimes as a Christian, we just think, well, I'm just not going to say anything. I'm going to be quiet. I, I, I don't want to get involved. I'm not going to voice my opinion. Now is not the time. To say nothing. Now is the time to stand up and, and be counted. Does that mean we might get a little ridicule along the way? Yes, we probably will. 
Does that mean that we're going to maybe lose a friend or two along the way? Yes, we probably will. But it's time now to stand up. The world needs Christians more today than any day that I have ever seen in my lifetime. We need to stand up. I had a conversation just seven years ago with a, with a man that had not voted in an election for, well, for decades. And I asked him, I said, we need your vote. We need you to stand up. And we need, you know, there are things, you know, that we need to try to change. He said, I, I just don't want to get involved. Now is not the time to stay on the sidelines. Now is the time to get involved as much as possible and let people see the reason that we have hope. Let people see Jesus. It is our hope. It is our wish. It is our prayer that we each live for Jesus 24-7. I say that twice a day, Monday through Saturday on our videos. We got to say something because we have people that are going to die like they died in the Twin Towers. But this death will be even worse because this death will be for all eternity. People's lives are on the line and we cannot afford to keep quiet. Instead, shout it as loud as you can. Broadcast it until everyone knows the way out. Proclaim God's word until Jesus comes again. More than that, practice God's word. Do what he says. Observe it in your own life. Verse 12. And behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to what? His work. We will be rewarded. You know, God is fair. God is fair. Because He doesn't reward based on results. He rewards based on effort. It's not my fault that that man who I thought was going to become a Christian, it's not my fault that he died with that heart attack as a, as a non-Christian. Because he heard the gospel more times than I can count. I did so many lessons with him. You see, God, God wants me to give an effort to spread the news. What happens to each person's decision is going to be between that person and God. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Jesus is all of it, from A to Z, from start to finish. Blessed are those who do His commandments. We've got to do what He says. That they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. That's what I want. I want to be in heaven. I never met my father's father. 
He died just shortly before I was born. He was the elder in our community that everybody turned to. Even people outside the church would turn to him. I want to meet him in heaven. I look forward to meeting him in heaven. People, people say that I remind him, I remind them of him. That's a tremendous compliment to me in my family. One time, a man was staying in a foreign country. He actually was on a business trip in India. They were setting up, uh, this was in uh, uh, 1977. They were setting up uh, some orders to produce product in India and have it shipped over here. He didn't know anything about the country. He didn't know where to stay. So he just booked a hotel, a, a place. And he went into the room and he thought, well, this room is dirty. It's got dirty floors. Then he realized the floors were dirt floors. <laughs> it was dirt floors. You see, we may look at our lives and not realize that we've got dirt. That we need to get ready ourselves. And, and we need to examine our lives and compare our lives to the Bible. And where do we need to step it up a little bit? Where do we need to clean up a little bit? 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light, this is John writing to Christians. As he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. That's not to, written to non-Christians, that's written to people like you and me. Where do we need to clean up our dirty floors? Where do we need attention? Verse 16 and 17. I, Jesus have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bride and morning star. And the spirit and the bride says, come. There's no better day than today to come to the Lord. And let him who hear says, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Becoming a Christian is a simple process. It's not complicated to hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. As a Christian, if our life is not where God wants our life to be, we can seek His forgiveness. If our sin is of a public nature, we can ask for public prayers. The key is we need to be always ready. What's the motto of the Boy Scouts? It's be prepared. That's really the motto of a Christian. We are to be prepared because what? We need to get ready for the Lord's return. 
Could the Lord return tonight? Yes. Tomorrow? Yes. Next week? Yes. Next year? Yes. I don't know when, but he will return. Ted Kidd, he planned it all out. Ted and Janet had been dating for some time. He knew that Janet was the, was the woman for him. He had asked his great-grandmother for her ring. Would you mind, you know, you've told me before I would eventually receive that ring. Could I have that ring to give to Janet? It was a two-and-a-half-carat solitaire. Pretty nice. He planned it all out. I mean, they, he, had, he, he uh, reserved a reservation at the most romantic restaurant in town. And he had already hired a violinist. And as soon as he dropped down to one knee, the violinist walked up and started playing. And he popped the question. And she said no. She said, I, I want to marry you, but it's, right now is not the time. There's too many things in my life going on. I just, I can't get married right now. So Ted said, okay, I, I'll wait. Ted went through 13 more proposals. Every time she said no. Until finally Ted thought to himself, okay, I had proposed 14 times. She has said no. I'm going to give it one more shot. So he decided to, once again, he got the restaurant ready. He got everything set up. And he was all ready to get down on one knee. And Janet said, I've got something for you. And he, she handed him a, a box, a wrapped box. She said, would you open that? He opened it. Inside the box was a cross-stitch little plaque, and it said yes. All those years of wooing and courting Janet had finally paid off. We think, wow, 15 proposals. That's a lot, isn't it? Folks, that's nothing compared to what God has done. The Lord is wooing and pursuing sinners all the time, inviting us to come spend eternity with Him. Please don't put it off any longer. Those who are watching right now on Facebook and YouTube, contact us. We want to help you to become a Christian. Don't put off that decision any longer because you don't know how much time you have. Just say yes. Say yes to the Lord today. He is coming and He wants to find us keeping His Word, proclaiming His Word, and practicing His Word. And finally, He wants us to preserve it. To preserve His Word until He comes. Don't change God's Word in any way. Don't add to it or take anything away. Revelation 22, 18. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in the book. 
Anything anyone takes away from the words of the books of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Bottom line, don't add to, don't take away. Just follow his word. In Europe, there's a very famous magazine for people who do mountain climbing. The magazine is called Trail. In their history of publication, they've only had to do one special publication. In November of 2004, they put out an issue. It was an issue about climbing a certain mountain in Europe. Unfortunately, they made a mistake in the article, in the magazine. If anyone followed their directions at that elevation, with that visibility, they would certainly plummet to their death. So the magazine very quickly retracted that article and put out a special issue for that month only. You see, we can't take away, we can't change, we can't add to God's Word. Because God's Word is much bigger than a mountain climbing magazine. God's Word, if we add to or take away, we are changing His Word and we are dooming ourselves and those who follow after us to follow the wrong way. We've got to do God's Word. Jesus is coming soon, so keep His Word, proclaim it, practice it, and preserve it just as it is. A really sweet lady sent me um, a video of a church here in Arkansas that had decided that God's Word was not going to be applied to life as it is today. They had decided that they would accept the gay agenda. They would accept it. They, they said, well, we'll just do it. You know, it's okay. We know what the Bible says. We know what Romans 1 says. But hey, that's out of tune. And we're going to modernize God's Word. That's just wrong. That's just wrong. We can't modernize it to fit our own desires. We've got to do God's Word as it is. In the middle 1800s, James Gordon Bennett, he owned two very lavish apartments in Paris, France. He owned a French country estate a yacht, plus he had three giant estates, three giant homes here in the U.S. Every night, servants at all of those houses got the house ready for Mr. Bennett if he was to arrive. They would turn down the bed. They would start a fire in the fireplace. They would have a meal prepared. Folks, 
There's no way he could be at all those places at the same time. All those preparations were for naught because he could only be at one house at that time. But each house was ready for him. We got to be ready for Jesus and his return. If Jesus was to return unannounced at the top of this hour, of the next hour, would he find you ready for him? Would he find me ready for him? What in my life do I need to change? What area do, does, needs a little attention, needs a little correction? What do I need to do? If I'm not a Christian, I need to become a Christian. Plain and simple. There is no hope outside of Jesus. No hope at all. As a Christian, do I need to seek forgiveness? Have I put God second in my life? Do I need to seek forgiveness? Does the church need to pray with me and for me? If you have any need at all to respond, we pray that you will respond as we stand and sing this song for you. Just as